Welcome to Shift, a college admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can get a free trial at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. So today we've got John Baylor back on the show uh, from On to College. John, really happy to have you. And if you could just introduce yourself again for the people who haven't heard you before, that'd be great. Sure. Hi, Tyler. Hello, fans of Shift. My name is John Baylor, founder On to College. And look, we started off as your typical live and then ultimately online ACT and SAT prep course that families would order. They still absolutely can. But now what we offer is is uh, really popular among high schools. We have more than 700 high schools in about 28 states that use our ACT and SAT prep course to jump their entire overall average school ACT or SAT scores. We used to say, look, we're all about helping families and schools create two- and four-year college grads with minimal debt. Our new mission, brand spanking new, is we strengthen scores, confidence, and cultures so all students reach their best fit post-high school destination with minimal debt. That can be the trades, that can be the military, two or four years. So that's what we're about at On to College. Yeah, I love that. And it's also, I think, makes you a great person to talk about this episode, which is d- dealing with just the whole college interview, right? Um, it's something that we actually haven't covered a ton here on this podcast, because I think it's kind of a unique and, and interesting problem, right? Like you and I are used to job interviews at this point. And so it's kind of like a job interview. But if you're a high school kid, you might not have ever done a job interview. Or if you did, it was for an internship where, frankly, the interview probably wasn't that rigorous. So this might be your first hard interview <laughs> in your life. Um, not to mention, you know, there's all the other things that you want to get out of a college visit. You want to make sure that you're getting the questions answered that are going to help you make your decision on the best fit. So let's say you've got a student that's strategizing for their upcoming college visit, what's the first thing that you tell them? Well, first of all, if you can interview, be sure to interview. I mean, it's decreasingly Mm -hmm. possible because these colleges are getting so deluged with applicants that they just can't interview everyone like we used to be able to. So it's not many that will still allow you to interview. Whenever you have a chance to interview, even if it's with an alum in your local area, do it. But certainly if you go to campus, contact them well ahead of time because you want to kick the tires. You don't want to just go on a tour and decide whether you want to go to this college because you find the tour guide attractive and like, you know, maybe she likes you. Who cares? I mean, you're never going to see that homo sapien again. It's about really kicking the tires and understanding that school. And so, you know, I guess I'll start with, uh, you know, what you do. And first of all, if you can separate from your parents, so you're both on your own recon mission, your own, have your, your, they go on a different tour than you. They go hang out with financial aid or they hang out with admissions uh, while you're going on the tour and then you, you, you swap. And if you, if you're interested in an extracurricular, what can you do to maybe go speak to one of the professors uh, in, a, in your future major, speak to one of the coaches or the orchestra director, or whatever, the theater director, find out exactly how that extracurricular works. I can think of a student I had, she was about to go to uh, Beloit College, which is a, a fine um, uh, Wisconsin, you know, um, Midwest, very affordable, typically liberal arts college. She, she also was a very accomplished uh, ballet and a dancer. And by right. going to one of their shows, the day she visited, she realized, oh my goodness, I'm already ahead of where these kids are. And so, I mean, she almost was about to go to a program, which in her estimation, I'm not sure about the dance program at Beloit, but she was estimating that, hey, they're, they're not quite as, as advanced as, as I'm looking for. So really kick the tires, split up, 
and go to lunches, go to any meals. Why? Because you want to hang out with your future contemporaries. And I'll give you one good question. Right. I'm not letting you ask any questions here. I don't know what I'm thinking, Tyler. But anyway, I got one thing before I forget it. <laughs> the, no, this the, is great. The most essential question. The first, you got to get to meals, not because you're finding out if they have really good mac and cheese. That's not what I'm talking about. And like, you know, is the food good or not? Give me a break. I mean, come on. If the food is bad, no one would go to that school. It's going to be fine. Is it, you know, you know, the Ritz-Carlton? Probably not. So um, <laughs> anyway, that's... Yeah, and if it's really bad, you can you can get a Subway sandwich down the street. It'll be fine. Hopefully not. Yeah. You're, already, you're already paying a lot for the food service. So hopefully you won't have to add to your food budget. But the, the bottom line is, ask this question when you're surrounded by current college students. Look. After you graduate, how often are you going to come back to visit the college? And when you do, how many professors are you going to contact ahead of time to make sure you get a chance to see them in person? When you come back to visit your alma mater after you graduate, a year or two later, how many professors are you going to contact? This is a really great litmus test for hmm. an essential question, the extent to which there is a cerebral, there is an intellectual life at the school. Because at most colleges, I would argue the kids will be like, what are you talking about? I mean, I'm going to go to the Phi Kappa Lao House and, you know, to see if the keg's on tap. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a beverage fest. But um, for some schools, not enough. There is at least a subset, maybe a pervasive culture of intellectual thinking, of discussing what's going on in class at meals, imagine that, or late at night in the dorms. And so though you'll hear that in the response to that question. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, Professor Jenkins. Oh, my gosh, Professor Smith. I really hope I mean, they're swamped, but I'd love to see them. And I mean, they've changed my life. There you go. That's a school right. where teaching and learning really happens, where those professors are not completely obsessed with graduate students or research or publishing or consulting. They're, they are focused on what is often number five at colleges, and that is teaching 18 to 22 year olds. It's a rarity. Maybe that's unfair. It's less common than it should be. And so you mm. got to go find it. It's not where you go to college. It's how you go to college. Right. Yeah. And I, I also think that it's important to get a sense when you're on campus for that balance between, you know, how many people are studying in the library and how many people are, are, are day drinking in the field. Right. And I mean, there's nothing I've, I was in a fraternity in college. I, I have nothing against uh, that lifestyle, but it's, it's going to determine what kind of school it might be for you. Right. Because even within a school, right. Like I went, I went to Carnegie Mellon, which is oh, a very nerdy school and it's, love it's it. considered. Yeah. It's, it, thank you. I appreciate it. It's next that, to impossible it, to get into right now, by the way. I mean, it's uh, your, yeah. your diploma is, is so much more valuable. I mean, it was tough to get into when you got in there. Don't get me wrong, but it's like one of the toughest schools. It's, oh, it it's was, red hot. I, I bet you it was a lot, <laughs> a lot easier to get into before. I go back to campus now. I'm like, wow, everyone here is really attractive. That's weird. <laughs> like, where were they like, when yeah, I was here? <laughs> yeah, very different than when I was here. And I love Carnegie Mellon and no, no shade, shade on it. But it's more just like you know they've gotten to be pickier about everybody. And I think um, I think most of the selective colleges have right admissions rates are all down, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but I am sorry. The reason why I bring that up is just. The whole the whole time I was there, like there, it's one of the best computer science colleges in the, in the nation, and I never touched the stuff, which I now think is one of my big failings in life. Like okay. I would have been really good to learn how to code, mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of people would have jumped at that opportunity to learn from that kind of school. And so it's you are gonna decide within the school what your life is. 
if you see, you know, some jocks getting drunk, it doesn't mean that that has to be your experience Mm -hmm. at the school. No. And at the same time, you know, if you, if you don't see anybody studying, right. It might be hard to be the only one. Right. So it's going to be, you know, or if you see the ballet program and it's not what you think is going to move you forward, if, if ballet is a passion of yours, well, good that you know that now, right? Because it probably won't change in the year between when you saw it and when you get there. So it's it's trying to thinking about what's important to you mm-hmm. and then seeking that out and in as you're touring, trying to get snippets of it, as, you know, catch glances of it through the through the doorway if you can. Uh, oh man, I'll, I'll, my daughter was trying to decide between a bunch of schools, and and one was Bryn Mawr, and and she was asking there about their musical theater program and the theater program. And they kept saying, well, you know, we have a show in the fall and a show in the spring, but you know, if there's, if we don't have what you want, you can always start it here. And I'm thinking, hold on, I, I don't want to I don't want my daughter to have to go and start things. You know, if she elects to start things, I'd like her to go and at least have the opportunity to join with professionals who have long since established programs that she cares about. So right. that's, that's something to think about as well. They, they like to throw that out there when you have these you know, niche interests. And they say, oh, well, we, if we don't have it, you can start it yourself. Well, hold on here. <laughs> she's not going there. To, the school exists already. I mean, she's not going there to like yeah. make you a whole lot better. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, it's a two-way street. And you're making her a whole lot better. So that's another thing that right. they have to be wary of is making sure that they've got something that's fairly strong in the areas that you, that you have interest in. Yeah. No, that is funny. I mean, it's like, it's like if you went, you applied to a job and you're like, oh yeah, so, uh, you know, is there like, is there an accounting department? And it's like, no, but if you think that's a good idea, you could start it. And you're like, I, right. I'm not qualified. Like, maybe. Are you guys paying me or hold on? Am I pay- like, how is this transaction working here all of a sudden? I'm, yeah. like, I'm getting confused, but it sounds good. Oh, you can start it yourself. We're so open-minded. Well, hold on. That's not exactly what I was thinking about. Right. Yeah. So now, so I, I think that this has been great advice so far and kind of what you should be thinking about, but let's now move on maybe to talking about um, when you do have a interview on campus or with an alumni, all right, and how to make the most of that. Okay, well, because of this thing, if you're not watching, I'm holding up a iPhone, hopefully a five or six. Who the heck needs a thirteen or whatever they are now? But anyway, um, you have more subdued young people. I mean, I, when I go teach, I mean, I never thought I'd say this. I uh, can you guys talk a little more? Like, um, right. you know, I, I, you know I, I like to say, like, I'll date myself because when I was your age, we used to uh, talk. Uh, so people are more <laughs> introverted. It, it's more difficult. So in a formal setting, talking to an adult, it's comp- it's very new for many because they're so unpracticed and just general talking. There's just much less sound audibility in our culture these days because of phones largely. Uh, and, and COVID didn't help. You know, you're, you're insulated, you're isolated for two years. You, 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 you don't yeah. quite have the verbal skills you once had. Bottom line is this. When you're having an interview, you want to be the extroverted version of your authentic self. You want to be the extroverted version of your authentic self. You do not want to be subdued. Now, some of us are just introverts. That's fine. Okay. But I would argue, you know, you want to use not just the interview, but the four years or two years of college, whichever type you attend, to try to get out of your comfort zone and become a little more extroverted because, you know, books have been written how, you know, the world really rewards the extroverts. I'm not saying it's right. Don't shoot the messenger. But I'm saying largely they get the – now, you you can go into a a cubicle and you can invent something that everybody wants. You don't have to talk ever again. But otherwise, you know, you got to go to meetings. You you want to get a little bit more comfortable with this. Business involves people. 
right? And the majority of jobs <laughs> involve people, even if it's only a few. So you got to deal with them at some point. So you're like high school, college, it's your sandbox. You know, get in there and play and, and get better at the things that aren't your strengths that culture values. Now, I'm afraid of heights, so I never learned to be a pilot, but, you know, I don't need to be a pilot. Culture's not going to, society's not going to punish me because I, you know, I don't, you know, climb yeah, the tall Yeah, it's, not like, it's not like Avatar where everybody has to yeah, <laughs> ride the stingray or whatever. But you want to become more extroverted and, and being the authentic version of your, your extroverted self is critical. Now... Secondly, the extroverted version of our authentic self, both work. Um, but then you want to ask yourself questions ahead of time and prepare answers, not verbatim, but prepare the, the mindset and an understanding of how you might answer certain questions. And the questions you want to practice with, um, you want to make more difficult than the questions that you're typically going to be asked. I mean, if I were an admissions mm. folks asking questions, I would ask these questions now. I'm going to suggest to your listeners that they prepare. But trust me, your typical admissions folks, person is trying to kind of sell the kid on the school and they're not pushing them too hard. Now, maybe when you do get an interview at a Yale or a Princeton, maybe they, they have a little bit more latitude and they don't worry about offending anybody. And they really do push kids because they have so much discretion over who are fortunate enough to ever enter their, their gates. But um, if you can prepare the following type of questions, you're going to crush interviews and you're going to want to practice occasionally with someone you an adult you trust. Maybe it's a mom, maybe it's a dad, maybe it's an uncle, maybe it's a, an adult you care Practice it a couple times. Yeah, maybe times. it's a, a teacher at your school that, or your college counselor, yeah. And also you can practice these questions while driving if you haven't or uh, you're alone when you're in the car. And just run it in your head. Pretend someone asks you a question. Just start speaking out loud. And don't just run it in your, your mind without sound. You got to speak it, okay? And you can hear a lot right. that you cannot see. Um, so here's kind so of what, the, what do you feel like the, uh, what do you feel like the key questions to prepare for are if you got like a, um, you know, a few what's, here? What's your best life in five years, 10 years? 15 years, 20 years, and why? Why the heck do you want to go to this college? Really, not just, oh, it's beautiful. Everyone's so nice. Oh, I can just feel the community, and I love the football team. Worthless, okay? Or I hear you have a really good international relations program. Worthless, all right? Details. Details bring stories to life, and you know, vague platitudes mm -hmm. don't help. So not just when you're writing essays, but when you're in interviews, tell stories. So don't just say, oh, and you know, greatest regret. If you can answer that question, I mean, you're going to be ready for almost anything. What's my greatest regret? What's my greatest accomplishment? What am I um, most uh, proud of? But, you know, what, what's a, you know, what's a time that was, what's the greatest adversity you've ever faced? And don't just say, well, you know, grandma died and we were so close and boy, my mom's really never gotten over it and life's been tough. I mean, we're getting there, but we're not even in the county of what would make a great story. I mean, I remember sitting holding my grandma's hand and the sound of the beeps got slower and slower, and she looked at me, and the tear was coming down. I mean, you got me. You got you know details, specifics. Mm -hmm. Not just bring essays alive, application essays, but they bring stories alive. So, no, forget the vague platitudes. Forget like, hey, we won the title. I was so proud, and I came back from that injury. No, I'm when I when I lay on the ground and I felt my knee um, pulsating with pain. I knew I wouldn't get to play for a long, long time. Just fear. You got me. You know. What I mean? details bring it to life so the authentic version of your extroverted self best life 5 10 15 20 years now and why of course you're open-minded many of us don't know it's certainly when we're right. 17 years old and then biggest regret we should know and we've probably never thought about it biggest accomplishment we probably should know but details um and some of the other and, you know why the heck am i here at this school and and you know what do you want to be known for when you leave this school what do you want to be known for when you're in the nursing home what is the purpose 
of the arc of your life? You know, those kind of big questions often have never been asked by folks near the end. Forget about, you know, in your teen years. You get those questions, and they're tough ones. Thought through before you ever walk in. Practice before you ever walk in. You're going to rock that interview. Right. And I, I think you touched on two key points um, that I, I think are really important for this. The first is you've got to be prepared, right? Like you'd made the joke about like, oh, I heard you had a good international relations program. Like, <laughs> it's like, you should be like, I, you know, I know that you have a great international relations program specifically that, you know, professor Tan is great. Right. And, you know, like things like that, we're just show like, if you've done your homework at all, you will be surprised at how much that makes you stand out from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to hit them over the head with it where you like tell them what like the last six things that they did, but you definitely want to have two or three that you got off the top of your head that are like, this is stuff that's from this school mm-hmm. that, you know, is exciting to me genuinely and I can bring it up. But also my guess is you get that reputation based on rankings and I would argue rankings are almost worthless. So if I'm interviewing at Georgetown, I'd say, look, I understand you have the number one foreign studies program in the country, international relations program in the country. And my guess is Johns Hopkins and Stanford would argue with that. But look, I'm not even sure what that means. What does that mean on a Tuesday when I'm sitting in a class and it's freshman year? Are there 400 kids around me? Like we're in my sophomore international relations intro class at at Stanford, one of the best international relations programs in the country. I had 406 kids. And I mean, I had no idea. In other words, or am I sitting around with 12 kids? And are we arguing? Will that professor know my name? Or do I have to go to study Mm -hmm. school? Oh, uh, study study hours, uh, teacher hours, office hours for him to yeah. her to get to know. In other words, will you? You know, in other words, be armed with some some real questions that you know that are not just sort of make up because I know you're going to ask me any questions for me. No, but like real questions you want to answer. What does that mean to be top ranked? Like I don't, you know, I'm 17. I don't even, you know, I'm sure you've earned it. But what does that look like on a Monday when I'm a sophomore? Right. Yeah, and I think that is also a good place to um, maybe take this is what are, you know, what are the important questions that you should be asking them when you get the opportunity to? Um, and I think that the, the, it's similar to sort of what I said earlier, which is that being prepared with a unique, thoughtful question by itself is kind of the only goal, right? Because regardless of the answer, it'll show the admissions person that you prepared and that you are a thoughtful kid. Mm -hmm. But the other objective of this should be to legitimately answer a real question that you have Mm -hmm. about the program that you're most interested in. Right. So, you know, what are, what are some key things that you should be thinking about when you're thinking of questions for them? Make them real. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom always said, you can't fool kids. You can't fool dogs. In other words, you're a kid. You crave reality. You know when like a teacher is saying something real, maybe about her child, maybe about her her own experience, like the whole class goes quiet. So make it real. Be yourself. You're a kid. Don't don't think for a moment what you think they want to hear. Then you're lost. It's like an actor in a play going, you know, emoting sadness. And you, and the actor at the time is in his head thinking, are they buying it? Like, do they think, you know, you're lost. Like you, the audience is not like, think, what do you truly want to understand. And what I would ask is, look, mm-hmm. um, I would look up a few things and I'd say, look, you've got, uh, you know, 15% of your kids leave after year one. I want to join the 85%. I want right. to walk down that aisle in four years crying out of sadness because I have to leave this place. And why is that much more likely here 
than the five other places I'm interviewing and the nine other places I'm applying to. I love this place. Right. If you said I'm in right now, I'm celebrating, but I'm you know kind of filled with a little unknown. Heck, I'm 17, 18. How would I really know what it's going to be like? What can you say about my likelihood of joining the 85%? Right. Yeah. And also, what can you say about you know my experience here that'll make me sad to leave? Right. Amen. And not just not just the keggers. <laughs> yeah. Look, when 18 to 22 year olds, Tyler, gather in a square half mile, or if it's a big campus, a square mile, there's going to be socializing. That's not the concern. Okay. You can be in Nome, Alaska, or you can be at that state college at the Canadian border in northern Maine. My guess is there's plenty, which is very inexpensive, by the way, which there are plenty of, I uh, can't remember the name, but there are plenty of social opportunities, at <laughs> least Wednesday night through Saturday night at college right. after college. That's not the question. Is to what extent are you going to be more self-aware, more prepared, more fueled with true skills and knowledge four years later? And that doesn't always happen. Now, there are a lot of places where it necessarily, there are some places where it necessarily happens. There are a lot of places where it can happen. Again, it's not just where you go to college and if you know your student can go to Swarthmore, it's going to be really difficult to graduate from there and not be dramatically more prepared for life. You might be a lot more left-leaning politically, but you're, you're going to be much better at writing, thinking, critical reasoning, because you can't sneak through a place like Swarthmore. But you can get an amazing education at the University of Iowa and the University of Nebraska if you know how to navigate it. It's not just you can right. go get a Swarthmore-like you know, sanctuarial, sanctuary experience within a big university at a lot lower cost. It's not to, it's not where you go to college. It's how you go to college. And ahead of time, before you ever drop, you know, 80 grand a year, are you kidding me? Times four, $350,000 retail sticker at college after college. You got to have that plan. You got to know what you're going for. And you're only 17, 18. I'm asking a lot, but it doesn't take a lot of preparation. Just have higher standards than the average kid who, you know, Wednesday night is looking for the barn stop. Right. Exactly. Thanks so much. This has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with John Baylor from On to College. You can get a free trial of Achievable's ACT course by going to achievable.me, and you can use the code podcast to get 10% off if you like it.